0: All it takes is a click to listen to RTI Online. Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at English.rti.org.tw.
1: You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thanks so much for joining us today. Up ahead this hour, we'll be bringing you new episodes of Lights, Camera, Asia, and In the Spotlight. But we start off today's program with Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, March 19th. I'm John Van Trieste and joining me here in the studio today, we have got Jake Chen. Hello. And Shirley Lin. Hello. Up next, one school in Taipei gets very serious about long-distance learning. Then a clever way that one bookstore has gotten through this outbreak of COVID-19 And this is why we can't have nice things. A few stories of idiocy in this time of plague. All that coming up next. Please stick around. Well, things aren't quite as bad in Taiwan as they are in some other parts of the world. Uh, despite the ongoing outbreak of COVID-19, our schools, so far, remain kind of open, and uh, think people aren't... Going too crazy, the borders may have shut down to most visitors, but life goes on as normal. Otherwise, within the island, yeah, we're still being told though that you know maybe we should be prepared for things to get worse. Uh, there have been talk, there's been talk about you know schooling from home and so forth. And one school in Taipei, a pretty well-known school actually, is uh, taking things uh, quite seriously when it comes to
2: long-distance learning. Right. Uh this school we're talking about the Taipei f- uh, First Girls School. Uh, it is arguably, well, I think, you know, It's very uh, exclusive. Very exclusive and it's uh, arguably the best school for girls in Taipei. Yes. But it's not a private, private school. school, I don't think. Is, is it? Is it not
1: I don't think, I think it may be,
2: well, I don't know. Anyway. I, I do know that a lot of parents take a lot of pride for their girls to get into that oh, school. yes. Yes, I know that's... one
1: parent who was very proud when their child got in. Right, they, so, like, they
2: can't stop talking about it so, because uh, it's very prestigious.
1: What have they done for their
2: students? For all the uh, uh, first-year uh, students, they've given them an iPad, each and every girl who's wow. uh, starting their first year. And do the parents have to pay for this, or is this just provided? No, this is provided. So uh, quite an expensive plan. As it turned out, it's not exclusive to the school, at least not in the near future. But for now, this is you know where the plan of the Taipei City starts. Uh, Taipei Mayor Ke has recently been working pretty hard on uh, sort of uh, expanding and building on the infrastructure to allow students in the Taipei and the greater Taipei area to have access to online learning materials. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's been promoting several uh, online platforms. So this giving uh, students iPad is part of his plan. Unfortunately, uh, there are going to be several other schools, I presume uh, prestigious ones like this one, who are going to get iPads, but it doesn't apply to all high schools across Taipei City. Mm. So. Well,
1: um, so these are not, to be clear, they're not the students' property, though, right? So they'll probably be handed in and reused the next right. time until they. Right. Planned obsolescence makes them impossible.
2: Yeah, they can't keep them anyway. Yeah. Uh, but it's still, you know, quite a grand gesture because uh, I don't think uh, schools in Taipei are known for, you know, using very expensive high-tech equipment. I don't know. So.
3: Um, Except for the Tapi American School, they do that well, too. Well, they're, they're that,
2: that's fancy private, people. That's a private school, yeah. <laughs>
3: right, that is a private school. We know yeah, for sure, so, yes.
1: Um, well, I mean, I hope that this uh, works out in practice as well as it sounds. Uh, when I was in high school, I was not in that class, but like beneath us, everyone was given a laptop. But unfortunately, they weren't the greatest laptops. And by the end of the first year, like a lot of them were falling apart. So uh-huh. I hope that the students, the, you treat them with respect and that you know yeah because... think about the students who who might come after them who are going to use these iPads i had well i had to take a class that was taught using one so they gave me a, like a s- supply one a spare one and like it had missing keys it was a disaster uh. <laughs> i think things have since gotten better but it was not a great <laughs> it's not always as good as it sounds right All right. Well, we're going to hear a story now of how one bookstore is creatively solving the problem of trying to keep the disease at bay.
2: Right. Uh, The school is actually, sorry, the bookstore is actually trying to uh, um, solve that problem on a a different, um, how do I put it? It, it, Like like he's trying to, the the bookstore is trying to convey that message uh, on multiple layers. So before I tell you guys what the bookstore has actually done, um, the bookstore's latest gesture is addressing uh, a pretty controversial incident that happened in New Taipei a couple of days ago. Apparently, a borrowed chief has led a team of 15 to travel to Europe. Oh, oh right. I
1: heard about this. They got in big trouble, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, amid Because the, like, they're like, oh, it's
2: cheap. We should go now. Right. <laughs> and uh, there have also been rumors that some of them might be trying to milk the government subsidies for those uh, returning into Taiwan's borders. Um, but anyway, so in order to discourage all the readers to uh, to travel abroad, This bookstore in Kaohsiung City um, has put paper tapes all over the travel section on the bookshelf. (laughs) So it said, uh, well, it it says eight eight Chinese characters. (laughs) So, amid the ongoing uh, viral viral outbreak, uh, please do not read this section. It's all over their travel sections.
1: I would be disappointed. That's one of my favorite sections. And I mean, it's a good time to be armchair traveling, at least. Uh, I agree. I yeah. like to read about places that I'll probably never get to go to, but they sound interesting. I like to look at the mm. pretty picture. I guess you could do that yeah, online yeah, too, picture. though. So.
2: Right. But these books do. I mean, a lot of the, the ultimate purpose of these books is to get you to spend your money to actually go. Mm. So uh, I guess the uh, the message is uh, conveyed very clearly in this case. See, I would mark them down and say armchair travel during yeah. this
1: the period. And that way, they'll you'll sort <laughs> of boost change, sales. Change the title card. You can't actually go, but you can... You know, experience sort of vicariously what it's like. Yep. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I, I That's pretty clever, actually. Um, I know that uh, the book industry in general is being hit uh, pretty hard. They have yeah. canceled this year's book fair in Taipei, which makes me
2: really sad. I had a ticket Aww. to go. So they went yeah. from delaying to canceling? It? It's
1: yeah, it was I think yesterday that the the, the official announcement came out. That's um, unfortunate because it's a it's pretty big for Taipei. It's it so much fun. Yeah. And well, I guess it's a smart thing to do because they have publishers from all over the world there, which is part of its attraction. You get to see books from all over the world even in languages that you can't understand, I especially Mm. like to look at their selection of like kids books from around the world. It's like, I don't know what this says, but it's interesting to know that this is what Hungarian kids read or, you know, gives you an idea of, so. It has a very worldly flavor. It does, it's fun. And and that's kind of sad. So uh, hopefully our bookstores can keep going strong through this at least. Taiwan has so far gotten some very good international press for its handling of the COVID-19 outbreak. But that doesn't mean that as orderly as most of us are, that everyone is always on their best behavior. And this mask shortage that we've been having lately has brought out the nastier side in some people, let's say. (laughs) Or maybe, I don't know, not nasty necessarily, the maybe less intelligent side. And (laughs) the more
2: aggressive side. I've seen things in person myself.
1: So, um, well, first of all, we, with the increased usage of masks, has come an increase in the amount of mask litter. I've seen yeah. it on the ground, uh, around our studios, even on the sidewalks. Uh, yeah. Many times. Yeah, I've seen it. And um, they're saying that uh, mask litter bugs now face a fine of up to $6,000 NT which is not an amount of cash to sneeze at. It's uh, how many hundred US dollars is that? Roughly...
2: 6,000 is roughly 200 uh, US dollars.
1: I mean, it's a a sizable chunk of change. Yeah. And uh, the worst thing is that a lot of this stuff uh, is showing up on places like beaches.
3: Oh. So
1: people are still going out with their masks, but like when they're done throwing their masks on, use masks on the beaches. That's not
2: sanitary. I mean, I imagine you
1: could drop it Mm You know, if a gust of wind were to come along and it was on your hand, but... Uh, still, there are volunteers who, because we love to clean up our beaches. I mean, we're an island. We're mm-hmm. uh, surrounded by other islands. I mean, there's a lot of beach to clean up, right? Yeah. Uh, but volunteers have reported a, a significant uh, increase in the number of masks they've been finding. And uh, the Environmental Protection Administration said recently that, uh, yeah, they're going to start imposing these fines. Um, and the Society of Wilderness and Greenpeace have have all weighed in on this, some campaigners with them uh are trying to you know wa- raise our awareness of this issue uh in particular the a, a campaign for greenpeace taiwan said that uh mask littering threatens public health it's not just like the environment that is threatening because they can't de- decompose but that could be a vector for you know yeah transmission
2: i was gonna say apart from just a bad perspective you know bad optics on the whole thing you know just the the the, the detrimental effect that it could have on people's health is pretty bad i mean it's at least one days of whatever has been filtered out on those masks. So, uh, yeah, I've seen those around hospitals, on, on you know, uh, sidewalks. It's not pretty. Now, there is sort of a counterpoint to this. A professor at
1: the College of Public Health here at National Taiwan University, actually the dean of the school, uh, he argues that actually urban trash cans with masks in them are probably a, more of a threat to public health than an isolated mask on a beach because there's probably more of them. People are but moving around. Aren't they cleaned on a pretty regular basis? I think so, but like not constantly. Not right away. So yeah. it's so anyway. That's sort of the argument here. Um, anyway, uh, the six thousand, by the way, is the maximum fine. I'm not sure. There's like a sliding scale. I don't know how they determine like two like, six thousand. Yeah. If the person who saw saw them like what kind of a mood they're in, I don't know how they you know,
3: how I mean, they decide how what, how big of a find give what if you accidentally dropped it you I didn't don't know. intend to throw it in. Caught so, in the act, you but know? they're mm. going the
1: ePA is asking local authorities to step up patrolling and cleaning in areas where they think that uh Europe's going to probably find littered masks. I guess that probably would include beaches and sidewalks and it also should. to post notices too to tell people to be careful i guess um There's also been an unfortunate incident, Uh, this was already about a week ago, uh, last Friday in Taipei, Um, there was a woman buying masks at the pharmacy and who really lost her temper when the pharmacist handed back the wrong national insurance card. I think the last time I checked, uh, when you buy from a pharmacy, you have to present your national insurance card, and they look at the last digit in your number, your ID, your card
2: number. They it's, actually plug it in a machine too. Yeah, there's yeah, a reader, but to but, verify they haven't bought it twice.
1: But basically, though, if uh-huh. it if it, it if it's an odd number or an even number, that that determines what day of the week you can you're eligible to buy on in the first place. Exactly. Oh, yeah. oh,
3: so that's still in place. Yeah. So oh, they okay.
1: so they may have like a row of cards, and and someone who I guess I'm sure was stressed out after a day of handing out masks, um, handed back the wrong card, and uh, she kind of went ballistic and demanded that the pharmacist kneel and apologize.
2: Please tell me somebody didn't actually do that. She did. She did. Oh, Um, gee, come on. The Taiwan
1: Pharmacist Association has denounced this, and it's saying that they're going to provide pharmacists with legal counseling resources because apparently... I mean, it's a, people, some people have gotten a bit testy with them. It's not; it's an isolated incident, but oh, not really. Maybe an extreme incident, but not
2: necessarily yeah. an isolated one. Because when you mention, you know, somebody going berserk at a at a, a pharmacy at a drugstore, you know, I've seen a case right downstairs from my building, and I thought my case was bad. What happens was, uh, you know, the, uh, on one of the days where the mask was supposed to go on sale, you know, among the amidst the rationing uh, policy, the pharmacy advertised, put on a, a piece of paper on their door and said that the machine broke down for just today, we're not going to uh, sell masks and we're going to fix this as soon as possible. And then I walked by and no less than 10 seconds later, somebody began yelling behind my back. it was a lady roughly in her her 50s or 60s he's yelling to the pharmacist inside the store and and questioning like are you guys keeping the mask you know now that you're not going to sell it for this day and she's like reporting them yeah (laughs) and the guy inside was was as mild manner as you can imagine and i just like I wasn't even involved and I felt bad, you know, Mm. Uh, like, I mean, don't, don't abuse pharmacists or anybody in the service sector. It's like they're trying to keep this situation from
1: getting out of control. We've just had a, I mean, mostly imported, but it's still a significant spike in the number of cases in the last couple of days. I mean, Mm These people, we you want to stay on their good side. I would have just said, um, "Sorry, we're sold out." By, it. yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, oh, I seem to have misplaced the rest of them. Oh well, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, Shirley, you've got another story about people. Well, two stories actually about yeah. people, maybe not showing their best side during this mask crisis. The first one I thought was kind of funny involves a, a rather I don't know how to describe yeah. it, a fashionista.
3: I know. I thought this was funny too. Apparently, his grandmother was in line to get a mask or buy her, you know, um, her ration of mass for the day. And she asked what color the mass was going to be for that day. And she was told that it's blue. She left the line.
1: It doesn't compliment my eyes. <laughs> <It's
3: like laughs> and, you know, when you I serious? saw that title, I was thinking like, why? What does blue in I mean, well, What does with it with mean? Her outfit. <laughs> You know? It doesn't... And no. apparently, she already got blue ones already.
2: Yeah, blue is so... She's
3: looking for other colors. Blue was color. so last
2: week. She <laughs>
3: started a collection of, you know, <laughs> know massive different colors. In,
2: in life and death situations, this is beyond first world mentality. This is like... I know. I don't have a word for that. Because people, I'm sure a lot of our listeners already know, but people line up literally for hours just to get three masks exactly. every week. Exactly.
3: Actually, oh. I would have gotten upset with this woman. One, needs, one needs to coordinate. <laughs> we can't have any <laughs> matchy people, matchy, not clashy. Yeah. But then there were people who were pretty good tempered. Said, <laughs> "Oh, well, all the better. That means that her portion, you know, her ration, somebody else gets her. to." You know, and obviously, so. she didn't need it that badly. Yeah. yeah. Right. And oh, then well. another incident was um, someone asked uh, when she was in line how thick the mask was going to be, oh, that's and so, be a so the too. pharmacist opened up one and showed it for from a distance, right? And she said, "Well, can I touch it?" No. (laughs) So I know the pharmacist was going like, "You're not going to touch it because then nobody else is going to be able to buy it." And then, well, finally the woman said, "All right, I'll buy it." But then she said, "I
2: thought she left the line too." (laughs) No,
3: she said, "Okay, I'll buy it, but can I have a bag?" Well, if you need a bag, then you have to pay one NT for a plastic bag. Yeah, that's right? the rule. Yeah, that's the rule. I said what? That's and always been the rule. She thought she scammed. You know, like I can't believe you have to sell me a, a one NT for a bag. That's, that's not new. <laughs> that's been the way for I years, know, right? And so, anyway, so these are like just some really minor incidents, not to the point where, you know, they couldn't be fined or anything like that. I don't. I, don't, I hope not. But yeah.
1: Well, if you thought any of these stories were the worst ones you've heard, we have something that's even—I don't know—worthy oh, no. of a <laughs> not
2: so intelligent award. <laughs> this is getting more and more depressing by the minute.
1: <laughs> it's about uh, uh, the lengths people are going to make sure that their money is clean.
3: Oh yeah, so um, some people are actually um, washing their paper bills. Not recommended. Okay, and then they they wash them and and hang them out to dry, and um, and then. The same people are also washing, uh, using a certain detergent to wash fruit, and there I know about this kind of detergent. It's, actually, oh, it's a legitimate, it, it, it is a fruit washing it detergent. It is for fruit and vegetables. Why would you? Need and detergent? I'm telling you, my my mother-in-law used to have this detergent, and I the look of it because she'll kind of soak it in that detergent. And there are bubbles coming off And you're thinking like that's, that's a soapy detergent For fruit and vegetables And I'm going like well, I'm not s- sure if I want to eat it anymore If after they that. can sell it It has to be approved By some yeah, government body Yeah, I think so I think it for
1: is For safer
2: consumption
3: Yeah
1: Even accidental consumption But yeah But back to the money though yeah.
2: <laughs> This has a very uh, Sort of a drug dealer-ish vibe to it you Yeah, know? but
1: like Literally money laundering Isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah It can't get any more literal than that um, It's literally you're, washing your money You're right
3: but, but like have Has anyone reported problems with this method Well, the, neighbor, the neighbors were thinking like okay you're probably just washing with water and that doesn't really get rid of the germs on oh, there and then you hang it out to dry you know the germs could probably just you know go with the wind and come to my door or something like that anyway that's what, what? the neighbor is concerned you know um no but like that's not necessarily or
2: sanitary or
1: make the yeah, degrade the know, bills made of paper make their ink run I'm, I'm oh
3: oh i'm sure no actually they're made of a special kind of paper so okay. if you accidentally throw them in the in the laundry They'll come up fine. Really? Yes. Wow. Do you know this you, from experience? You, yes, John, you can try it at home. I, I, not, I guarantee. I guarantee like my money a bit better than that. I'm not going to throw no. in the laundry. But No, no, you can be sure of that. I mean, they're a special kind of paper.
1: Really? Yes, yes. Now, maybe our Australian listeners can uh, correct <laughs> me, but I've heard that at least some of the notes down there are made of sort of like a plasticky material. That's uh, smart. And yeah. that's maybe like sort of to prevent that. I don't know if that's the reason why, but I've heard that anyway. Um Yeah. You know, but of course it was on the internet, so it has to be true, right? Right, um, yeah, right. But no, seriously, you've done this before, like on purpose?
3: I've, well, I've seen other people, you know, like accidentally through their dollar bill. Not my family, but I, I know they came out fine. But that's like in your it's more like pants pocket or something, not flock, like, like yeah, directly in, in the
1: laundry, like in the spin cycle or <laughs>
3: Oh don't you think it would be the same? It would get like shredded or something, wouldn't no. it? Yeah. Well like, um at least waterlogged. At least I don't think these people were throwing them in the lawn in, in the washing machine. They're kinda of like washing it hand by hand one at a time. Oh I was gonna say like No 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 not in the washing <laughs> machine, but washing it by hand you know one at a time using that's hand. That's not what that's hands. for. <laughs> so um yeah, and then they hang it out to dry. Hang it out to dry. I mean yeah, I'm one, no one's a bill at a time.
1: Is is this a lot of people Or just a few Because I'm wondering If it's a lot of people When we're going to hear About the first Laundry (laughs) money I mean Balcony money theft People Oh right I mean it's just Out there in the open Well that doesn't seem very smart either. Even I guess if the money he was like fine.
3: actually hanging over a bucket, you know, uh, one at a time indoors. Uh, so not, I guess it's smart enough. Not recommended. None. Not recommended.
1: No, not recommended. Well, I guess not. Just wash your hands.
3: I'm too lazy. I wouldn't be washing <laughs> my dollar paper bills one at a time. Oh, it's man. just too much work. All right. Well, that does it for today's
1: edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Gantriest. I'm Jake Chen. And I'm Shelly Lan. Stay well. Stay healthy. And don't wash your money in the laundry. <laughs> Lights, Camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema.
2: Hello and welcome back to Lights, Camera, Asia. I'm Jake Chen. Last week, we begin to cover the story of Goodbye, Dragon Inn, a very slow-paced movie made by Taiwanese director Timing Mingliang. So far, the story seems rather simple. While an old classic martial arts movie is screened at a decrepit movie theater on its last day of opening, different people are seeking for different things in the movie theater. A female box office clerk who happens to suffer from a limb is hobbling her way through the theater to try to give half a bun to the projectionist. And when she finally makes her way through the projection room, she sees that while the projector is spinning and the movie is playing as usual, the projectionist himself is away, nowhere to be found. She sits in the room for quite a moment before leaving. On the other hand, a quiet young man is also wandering around the theater. He had to switch seats a few times for seemingly mundane reasons. He was first annoyed by a couple who makes quite a bit of a noise when they eat right behind him. And after changing seats, he deliberately sits very close to an older gentleman, and then he proceeds to approach him. The older man does not react despite the young man practically being in his space. And when the young man heads over to the men's bathroom to stand among a few other next to a bathroom stall, the same thing happens. He shows interest, but no one reciprocates. The theater, as I mentioned previously, is a little known hub for people in the LGBTQ community to meet and congregate. In a sense, the young man's journey parallels that of the female box office clerk. They both are seeking to express their fondness to others to establish a sense of intimacy and connection, but they both face the rather disappointing reality that, at least for the moment, no one has returned the favor. As the film keeps on going, both characters continue their effort to seek a sense of connection. The box office clerk despite suffering from a physical disability, remains very persistent in her quest to try to find the projectionist. After meeting him in the projection room, she walks one floor down and through several hallways. Since the film progresses at a very, very slow pace and the woman says almost nothing throughout the entire movie, We, the audience, are left in the dark as to where she would be heading next. And it wasn't until several scenes and minutes later that she ends up reaching the projection room once again, this time from another back door. She enters the room and she sits on a chair, once again waits for the projectionist to return. Now, keep in mind that At least 10 on-screen minutes have passed between the woman's two appearances in the projection room, and it feels like much more time has passed in the movie's world. The way the director shows the passage of time is very subtle, but it slowly creeps up to the viewers since the director gives us ample time to observe the scene. As the woman walks into the projection room from the back door, we see that her eyes are almost immediately fixated on an object off-screen. She then walks across the small room and sits down at a corner, and in this scene, it is finally revealed that she is staring at the bun that she had left in the projection room earlier for the projectionist. We also see that on the table above it, there's an ashtray that is almost filled to the brim with cigarette butts. There is also a cigarette that is still burning that someone had left on the corner of the table. It is these details that show us that the projectionist, who is a smoker, has been in the room while the woman was gone, and that he has smoked at least half a cigarette before he left the room again. What's more disappointing for the woman is that the bun, which is placed no more than a foot away from the ashtray, appears completely untouched. This means that the man either didn't notice or he didn't care about her gift during his short return in the projection room. The woman stares at the cigarette and the bun for close to two minutes straight without budging, without batting an eye. Now, keep in mind that we, the audience, are sitting right there in front of the screen to witness all this which makes it an excruciatingly long take. It is so long, in fact, that we actually notice the cigarette getting gradually shorter as it burns throughout the scene. Eventually, the woman is weary by the weight and the disappointment, and she finally stands up, grabs the bun, and leaves the room. The camera lens then turns to the young man And after a series of rather unsuccessful attempts to court other men in the movie theater and then in the men's bathroom, he begins to wander about in other parts of the theater. He first makes his way through what looks like a storage room, and then after a few twists and turns, he walks into a dimly lit hallway. He bumps into quite a few people in the process. Most are smokers who are looking for a quiet place to smoke, and just like before no one shows interest in him when he passes by the only exception is a man in blue shirt he's seen standing beneath a large ventilation fan smoking all by himself the young man approaches him and very slowly extends a cigarette that is not lit the man in blue shirt stands still for a second and then responds by lighting up his cigarette It is at this moment that the two men have one of only two very brief conversations in a movie. The smoking man looks at the young fella and says, Do you know there are ghosts in this movie theater? I mean ghosts. The young man appears to be startled for a second. He doesn't know what to say or how to respond, so he only utters one sentence to introduce himself. He says he's from Japan. The smoking man greets him goodbye in Japanese and then disappears behind the corner at the end of the hallway. The man's words about the theater having ghosts seem to have really spooked the young Japanese man. When the young man returns to the movie theater, things begin to feel strange and bizarre all around him. A woman appears to be eating behind him a scene that is eerily reminiscent of the couple eating behind him when he first enters the movie theater. Suddenly, in a loud clack, we hear the woman drops a shoe, and then she stoops down and disappears behind a roll of seats as if she's trying to reach it. About a dozen seconds later, the woman suddenly reappears behind the Japanese man This time in a completely different location. She now sits a few rows behind him and to his left. The sound of her cracking one melon seed at a time echoes eerily through the theater. And the young man begins to look behind his back with a startled expression. The woman technically speaking, isn't supposed to appear in that direction since there's no way for her to get to a different roll of seats from underneath. The man begins to question about his sanity and wonders about the real possibility that a woman might be a ghost. He jumps up from his seats, and as he tries to walk away, He finds that the entire floor is covered by melon-seed shells and every step he takes makes piercing sounds as he steps over the shells. This startles the young man even further. He's scared and he just jumps out of the seats and leaves the movie theater and he's never seen again in this movie. Shortly after that scene, the movie that is played in this movie is finished playing on the big screen and the entire theater finally lights up. The female box office clerks walks in and begins to clean the theater one roll at a time. He's still walking in her typical fashion, laboriously drags her feet behind and making her way through each and every roll very slowly. After he cleans the entire theater and shuts down the valves in both men's and women's bathroom, he looks once again at the movie theater, knowing that this will be the last time she looks at it. She places the bun in a rice cooker in the box office where she walks, and then she walks away into the rain. A few seconds later, the projectionist finally makes an appearance. Now we see him in a few seconds while she was cleaning the water outside the projection room, but never in a close-up scene. So we can finally tell that this is a young man in his mid to late 30s, not very tall, stocky build, and like everyone else, he's very silent. He wanders around the lobby of the theater for a few seconds, just like the female projectionist, as if he's trying to take it all in for one final time. He then plays with a fortune-telling machine for a second, not paying much attention to it. But after seeing what the machine shows him, it is as if he suddenly has a moment of realization and he turns to the box office. He notices that a rice cooker has been moved. He walks over to the office, he opens the cooker and he sees the bun inside. He finally sees what the female box office clerk was trying to tell him. He grabs the rice cooker with excitement and a sudden sense of realization and it is as if he's trying to rush after her. He runs into the rain, jumps onto his motorcycle and disappears in the rain. An old sound from the 1960s begins to play and the movie fades to black. A chapter has closed for both the movie theater and for everyone that is involved in it. We're going to dive into the details of this movie and try to analyze just what all this means in next week's episode. So please stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lights, Camera, Asia. I'm Jake Chan. Talk to you then.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight.
3: Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. E.J. Su is someone who studied insurance, but then went into handmade shoemaking. So he's the founder of Kazuo Craft. He says, uh, besides making shoes that fit your feet perfectly, handmade shoes can affect your health in a good way, of course. Now, EJ also runs a co-working space called Acid Lab. We're going to learn all about that today. So actually invested in some machines for reproducing 3D, what do they call it? Um. Yeah. Three D printer.
4: Three D printer. You we do? do. We do have that. Yeah.
3: You invested in one? Oh my goodness! Those things are expensive, aren't they?
4: No. Some of them is it, not. It's more, more, more. Uh, getting more and more affordable. Oh really? Yeah. It's oh, not wow. too crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and we also have uh, lots of machines for uh, leather making, oh, wow. or uh, skiving, leather skiving, and sewing machine, industrial sewing machine. So you can basically, if you are making clothes, making bags. Um, you will have like the basic machines at our studio
3: wow okay so you are a very different kind of co-working space it's yes. more into making crafts and yeah. arts and it's stuff. almost
4: like a factory if, yeah. you, if you come to see but we also have a cafe there uh-huh. so it's more uh, the idea is that we can really take a break after you're working maybe several hours you go to outside we have a garden you can s- sipping your coffee there and the the cafe is also open to public so sometimes you will see just people bring their dogs taking a walk and bring the kids running at the grass and if the weather is nice i i would definitely recommend uh the cafe outside of our studio yeah.
3: oh good why acid lab as an acid mm. why why that name
4: yeah it almost sounds like a joke but uh acid stands for different occupation or like different characters a stands for artist c stands for craftsman Uh i stands for innovation oh innovator Innovator. (laughs) d stands for designer (laughs) and this is a lab for creative people really you know try the uh, you can try whatever you want and people here will be like supporting you or help you to execute your idea
3: Well, after explanation, you know, then I think that's a great name. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Because at first...
4: (laughs) Before that, you wasn't sure.
3: (laughs) Yeah, at first I was thinking of like, you know, um, uh, a chemistry lab, you know, Uh. asset lab. Yeah. So one thing I've noticed, and that is, um, I'm sure other people too, um, I've been back in time in 29 years. And um, lately, I've seen like, there are a lot of young entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. who are starting their own craft, their own thing. Yeah. And you know, they've all got great things on their own. Mm. But if only these all these young people were to work together mm. and try to brand together. Like mm. branding I think is very important. Mm-hmm. But if it, if they were to get together, like muster up all their crafts and all their ideas and develop designs and innovation together, I think they can do better that way.
4: Totally. You know I'm, I'm totally in like, like promoting themselves. Yeah. Yes.
3: I don't know, what do you think? Do you think Taiwanese people really understand about branding?
4: Yeah, in my observation, I think it's exactly like what you describe. I think ta- the the younger generation in Taiwan they're really talented, they're very educated, and they you know nowadays you can get whatever information you want. You can be a self-taught musician, even engineer if if you are working hard enough. But people uh don't know yet how to work together, mm-hmm. or everyone might because of the ego or because of the idea of chasing your dream, then it's really separate those talented people. I, I also think that's a shame because if everyone wants to only do their own dream and that dream is really hard to really happen in your life because everyone has their own dream and the world is only one. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can work together, that will change everything. Yeah. That's also exactly what I'm trying to do now.
3: Yeah? Yeah. I was just gonna ask you should hold classes you know and like mm. you know try to educate these people yeah. and and even help them connect with each
4: exactly. other exactly that's also the goal of Acid Lab really okay. get people together and see what they need and you can uh rearrange the re- resource or like branding help help the independent artists how to brand themselves because like we probably have seen this a lot most of the artists they they are really good at making stuff they are really good at making their art but they don't know how to promote themselves. Yeah. And that's really a shame because no matter how talented, how good you are, if people don't know you, and it's really hard to make your living with with that. I know. Yeah. It's
3: true. It's true. Well, that's great. You know, uh, come to think of it, I think ASLAB is a great place to be. And hopefully that you can really um, bring people together, that you guys can really get into something where, you know, not only that whole town can see mm-hmm. you guys, but also the world can see what you guys are doing. Because I'm sure there are some of you, like, for example, your, you know, your custom-made shoes, mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, um, should be seen by more people. And and uh, to be able to bring out, like, you know, what we were talking earlier about the health issue mm-hmm. of having the right kind of shoes. Yeah. You know, even to, to re-educate people about that mm-hmm. and not think like, you know, I think for me, I was ignorant, thinking that, oh, yeah, well, custom-made shoes, they're expensive. They're not for me. Mm, But actually, mm. you know, there's a whole lot of uh, good reasons for having custom-made shoes. Exactly.
4: If you know the value of that, it might change your idea of if that might be a good investment for your lifetime.
3: Right. And also the fact that, you know, everybody's into uh, about environment issues, Mm, mm. concerns. And maybe that your shoemaking, actually, there's all the good about it. Maybe there's recycling to it. Or even like all these other people in your co-working space. Mm. Whatever art they're doing, probably they're promoting, you know, uh, loving the world, Mm -hmm. uh, loving the earth. Yeah. Uh, If you do learn Mm -hmm. about what they're doing, then you appreciate the thing even more, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of educating to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the world is changing and so people need to change their way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I
4: think it's good to have a uh, space as a community is that we also can really try to use a space, like for example, the exhibition. We actually the the upcoming event is there's uh-huh. an artist, a good friend of mine from Paris, who she's going to do a performance art. But but the theme is about, uh, it's called One Taiwan, uh-huh. and basically because she observed that, um, before the election happened <laughs> earlier this year, which we just had, yeah, yeah, and people probably also noticed that there's a huge gap in between uh, different generations in, yes. in this country now. People uh-huh. support different <laughs> ideas. Basically, there's nothing wrong with that. But that also creates a gap in between generations that mm. don't really understand each other, which is, could be a very terrible and sad thing. And this artist, she's trying to do this performance you know, to cast or like to show the idea of there's only one Taiwan. Mm. and I think this is something something very tiny but we can do you know it's like a butterfly effect you don't Uh know you might just doing something very small but it might create something at the end impact the whole society
1: you're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin
3: So actually, your co-working space is also a space to exhibit all the different crafts and works of the people, right? Yes. So you say you might have customers who just come for a cup of coffee, but then they get to see all the things that are exhibited there. And maybe yes. even, are they for sale? They're for sale, right? At your yes. place. Yeah. yeah. So so it's also an exhibit space. Yes, Yeah. Oh, is. that's nice. I know that you love Japan and you love London. But you chose to come back to Taiwan.
4: Mm. Yeah. What I is guess th- I love Taiwan the most.
3: Yeah. For for what? Why? Um, uh besides it's your homeland.
4: Yeah, I I have to say I definitely changed a lot um of my perspective on my own country as well. I wouldn't say I'm I love Taiwan so much when I was always living here, you know. I grew up here, everything to me is just so uh I take it for granted, I say. Mm. And you then, used to take it for yes, granted, yes. yeah. And then after I had the ex- uh, experience living abroad, I moved back to Taiwan. I gained a totally different perspective. Oh. I see how you can imagine how safe this country is, and how beautiful the nature is, and how people are actually m- more friendly and really happy in a way.
0: Uh-huh, you don't
4: uh-huh. you, you go to big cities like New York or Paris, you see very glamorous yes, yeah. Yeah. but also you see some people really unhappy right. because it's very you know big cities it's, it's always like you have the people living a good life and also terrible life but mm. I think in Taipei I don't see this kind of sad things that much uh-huh. I feel people here in general happier than people in other cities oh wow and yeah I, I now I really I'm really proud of that I'm, I'm lucky to grow up and educated in this small island which we call Taiwan
3: yeah oh wow wow that makes me appreciate Taiwan a lot more from what you just (laughs) said (laughs) yeah we do have a lot to offer and besides recently there was a study where a poll where it says that town is like one of the top countries that expats like to mm, like to yeah. visit or you know uh stay in settle yeah. in, yeah, so we are a a multinational country actually, mm, even mm. though we're not part of the u n <laughs>
4: yeah <laughs> right it's so, still kind of like a secret island though most yeah. of the people outside of this island probably don't know much about here, but more and more people they might see people sharing their experience living here and... Like 20 years ago, you won't see that many foreigners in Taipei. But oh, now know, you now. see them everywhere. I know. Yeah,
3: yeah everywhere. Yeah. I mean, even Chinese people and Hong Kong people. Because mm. I'm on the MRT and I hear Cantonese speaking. And I know yeah. more and more people are speaking Cantonese. So you know how many more Hong Kong people are, are settling here mm-hmm. you know, and making this a residence. I, I think it's really exciting what you're doing. So your shoemaking mm-hmm. is also within that asset space that you're making your shoes or you have yes. a separate shop
4: um the the lab as a lab is more like our studio mm-hmm. slash factory we make shoes there all the shoes is 100 percent handmade produced there but i also have a store in uh mitsukoshi oh, wow
3: it's one of the department stores here one of the big yeah. ones yeah
4: yeah near oh, wow. 101 oh yeah. really mm-hmm.
3: oh okay okay um where do you get the materials for your shoes
4: most of our materials from either europe or japan
3: wow mm. okay and they're real that le- leather too. Yes. So, you're making me think that there's a lot of Well, what kind of what kind of hide do you use? Usually cowhide or No know it's cow, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cow, calf. Cow, yeah, calf. Oh, mm. right, calf. The baby baby cows. Mm. Yeah, they do breed a lot of cattles and cows in Japan, right? Mm. But um you said also from Europe. Oh, but of course, these are really, really uh, imported good leather. Yeah, that we're trying using. to
4: use like the the best we can find yeah. in Taiwan. Yeah.
3: And as for the soles, also real leather.
4: Uh, soles depends on our, the the demand of our clients. Yeah. Um, for we we do use full leather sole for our clients, which is better because um, people might wouldn't notice that the, your sole if it's leather is actually breathable. While oh, really? you were wearing the shoes. Like, for example, in Taiwan, the summer is pretty hot. Yes. And you might feel you, you
3: Your feet sweating?
4: Yeah. But mm. if it's leather sole, it's actually... You can breathe. Ha- have the air go through in, in and out. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. But if it's a rubber sole, you got no chance to do that. So you, you feel my more... Um, sweating even more when oh. it's really hot.
3: But why do I feel like leather soles are not as comfortable? They're...
4: More hard. Mm, People have this... Almost, I would describe it as prejudice. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that makes sense. (laughs) Because most of the leather so we see nowadays... If it's not like with really good leather... It will be really hard. But the good quality leather... It will be very flexible. It will be soft enough. And the thickness is also perfect. It's also why people will say... The longer you wear the leather shoes... It actually gets more comfortable. Oh, really? Because the leather... It's natural material. It will memorize how you walk on them, how you walk with them. At mm-hmm. the end, the shape will change and adapt your feet and also your walking pace
3: it's really exciting get to know you EJ and uh, what you're doing I wish you much much luck because I think this asset lab space is great so. thank you very much yeah thanks EJ thanks thank you for so having much me. thank you yeah really good luck and um, it's really exciting to hear your story oh, please
4: come to our studio alright have free time yeah
3: alright asset lab yes okay and uh, Kazuo Craft Kazuo Craft yes Kazuo Craft right okay thank you EJ
4: thank you Siri.)